This is KMTT. Tuesday, Parshat HaShavua, will be delivered by Rav Alex Israel. We approach this week's Parshat Shavua uh, with a double agenda. On the one hand, we want to learn the Parsha, as we do every week, and this week we have a double Parsha, Natsavim and Vayelech. But we also are fully aware that Rosh Hashanah is around the corner, and uh, the shofar is sounding every day, and we're already feeling uh, the Yamim Noraim, the ten days of repentance, coming very, very close. So I'd like to try and see if we can join these two topics and talk about Teshuvah. We're going to talk about Teshuvah from the perspective of Parshat Shavuah. Now, I've used the Hebrew term Teshuvah, and it might be a term that we're familiar with, but the question is how to translate it. In English, we would generally say that Teshuvah should be translated as repentance, um, to repent of one's sins. But in Hebrew, of course, the verb Teshuvah comes from the word return. And whereas repentance leads us to think that we are somehow saying sorry for, expressing remorse for, um, improving on our lifestyle so that we are not embroiled and engaged in sin. The word shuvah with the connotation of return raises the question, to what am I returning? Am I returning to God? Am I returning to myself? To shuvah? To whom am I returning? When we look at this week's Parashat Shavua, and we're going to be looking in particular at Devarim, Perak Lamed, Devarim chapter 30, we see a, an amazing tale told, not of individual tshuva, not of the tshuva of the, of the isolated person, but of national repentance and return. And let me read a few lines here. Some of these lines will be familiar to you from the Tfilah Lishlom Hamdina. If you say the Israeli version of the prayer for the State of Israel, some of the Pesukim are taken from here. Here's what it says. And when all these things befall you, both the blessing and the curse that I have set before you, and you shall take these things to heart amidst the various nations to which the Lord your God has banished you. This parsha begins when we are, when the Jewish people find themselves in a state of galut, in a state of exile, dislocation. We have been banished. We have experienced both the blessing of nationhood and prosperity, but we have also experienced the curse of exile and national destruction and dispersion. And now, when these things happen to you, translated in English, you shall take these things to heart, but pay attention. 
that the verb used here is a derivative of the of the verb shuv. You return to your heart. You let your heart return to itself. In English, we would say you think about these things. You introspect. You you ponder. Well, what's our response after thinking about our historical process? I'll read you the next couple of psukim. And then you will return to Hashem, your God, and you and your children will start listening to His commandments with all your heart and soul, just as I have commanded you this day. And God will return your captives, and He will have mercy. And he will gather you from all the nations where he has scattered you. Even if your outcasts are at the ends of the world, from there the Lord your God will gather you. And from there he will fetch you. And where will he bring you? The Lord your God will bring you to the land that your fathers possessed and you shall possess it and he will make you more prosperous and more numerous than your father, fathers, your forefathers and then God will circumcise your heart or as the JPS translates it he will open up your heart and the hearts of your offspring maybe he will refine your heart according to the Ramban to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, Laman Chayecha, for your life. Interestingly, after this, there are yet further stages. Let's examine, though, uh, what's happening here. As I mentioned, the beginning of this process takes place in the depths of exile. As the people begin to ponder, consider, to reflect upon the course of Jewish history, and suddenly they come to the conclusion that what they have to do is to return to God. And returning to God here means listening to the commandments and returning to God as it's described here. After the Jewish people have done this, after the Jewish people make a, a step towards God, God corresponds, he reciprocates overwhelmingly what God does is also it's interesting now the third time the verb shuv comes along we had we reflected then we return to God but then God corresponds and he brings us home he brings us home physically by bringing us back bringing our captives back to the land we have here kibbutz galuyot the return of the exiles and not only that, but it says, Our national fortunes will be even more wonderful, more expansive than our forefathers. And then God continues and he refines us further. And this um, metaphor of milah, of circumcision, of course, one cannot circumcise a heart, but in the same way as circumcision, 
is cutting off an extraneous part. So likewise, says the Ramban, God will remove our inclination to do evil, he will remove our temptation, and God will make it easier for us to do mitzvot. This is quite incredible, as we see the um, the reciprocation of God to Am Yisrael, and the effect that our tshuva has upon God, as he seems to burst with enthusiasm in bringing his people home, and then working to assist them to climb to, to greater heights in their relationship. Of course, if this is reciprocal, then it continues, because in Pasuk Chet, it says, And you will then correspond, and you will listen to God even more, and you will do all his commandments, which he commands you this day. And then, God will correspond. God will continue to expand everything that you do, whether it's your children, your livestock, your agriculture. Ki yashuv, and there's the word yashuv, tshuva. And now, God is, is returning upon us. God is doting upon us. Yashuv Hashem lasus alecha letov. God will be joyous with you for good. Ka'asher sas alabotecha. He will be able to feel the same joy as he did with previous generations. Whenever I read this parasha, whenever I read this story of tshuva, I find it quite remarkable. Because here, tshuva does not, res- does not uh, reflect the process of an individual who has to... Um, who has to um, introspect and go through with a fine tooth comb his behavior and somehow adapt his behavior. This is a tshuva that is taking place on a grand scale. The whole nation is somehow returning to God, realizing what its national priorities are, and suddenly we see this ping-pong effect. As we return to God, God brings us back and and raises our natural, na- national fortunes. And then we respond and intensify our relationship with God by increasing in our mitzvot, by increasing in our adherence to God's law. And he responds by making our national fortunes even even better. And when I hear the phrase, Ki yashub Hashem lasus alecha letovaka sheesas alavotecha, it makes me think of, Yasis alayich elokayich kimsos chatan alkala. Almost like a love relationship in which the love of one of the partnership is reciprocated in the in the other partner backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards so that the love increases and and magnifies now this is an, an amazing amazing uh, tale but I'd like to understand where it's coming from because when we look at uh, Sefer Devarim we can see that it is emerging uh, from when these things will happen to you, look at the first verse here, chapter 30, verse 1. When these things will transpire, the blessing and the curse, In other words, this process of national return, return to the land, return to God, return to prosperity, return to nationhood, this is happening 
after the blessing and the curse. In other words, this is almost like a finale or or maybe a footnote, possibly a epilogue to the to the Tochacha which we read last week. It is linked to the Tochacha. Without the exile, there won't be this return. Now I have to say that Parashat Nitzavim is not the only place that this features. Because if you recall the Kriyata Torah that we read on uh, Tisha B'Av, Ki Tolid Banim, it's in Devarim, Perak Dalad, you will see a very similar narrative told in a slightly more concentrated form. I'll read to you some of the Pesukim there. It comes from Devarim, Perak Dalad, Pasuk Chaf Hey. When you have children, grandchildren, and you become settled in the land, and you become corrupt, and you make idols. So God says, I testify, I testify heaven and earth, you will perish from the land. You will not stay there for very long. You will certainly be destroyed or driven out. And he talks about the fact that we will be scattered amongst the nation. We will be in a state of uh, decimated numbers. We will be few in number. And there we will worship. But at the, at the, at the at the depths of the Galut, at the depths of the exile, at the very trough, Pasuk Chavtet tells us, From there you shall seek Hashem your God, and you will find Him, because you will seek Him with all your heart and all your soul, when things are difficult for you, and all these things happen, at the end of days, you will return to God, you will listen to His voice, etc., etc. What I'm saying is that Dvarim creates a paradigm of, of entrance into the land of sin, followed by exile, but then after the exile is a return. And when the, the way the return is described is more magnificent, is on an even higher level than the original tenure in the land of Israel. Now this is quite fascinating because this model of teshuvah and, sorry, of exile followed by teshuvah is not the only model that there is. In fact, there is a famous machloket between Rav and Shmuel in the Gemara about whether the ultimate redemption happens because the time is up, because we've been in Galut long enough, that there is a fixed time, a kates, or alternatively, it might be that uh, we have to rely on shuva, we have to rely on repentance in order to come back to, uh, to, to, to have Mashiach come, to uh, be able to enter into the promised land, to be able to have our final redemption. What exactly is going to cause the redemption? Is there a fixed time, a fixed moment in history? Is it dependent on God? Or alternatively, it is dependent on man. Is it um, that we are 
given a prison sentence, that we have sinned so much that God decrees that we will be in exile for a certain number of years, but then after that period, it's all over. Or, alternatively, God is waiting for a shift, for a change of behavior on the part of Am Yisrael. I raise these two models because we've just seen two places in Sefer Devarim which talk about the, the Galut, the exile, and its end, and its uh, conclusion. And it gives a particular model which is reliant on, on national repentance. But the truth is that this is not what you find in the other Tochacha in the Torah, in Sefer Vayikra. When we look at the awful predictions of national ruin which take place in Sefer Vayikra, in Parashat B'chukotai, in the book of Leviticus, chapter 26, there we also see a similar tale which is if you follow my laws, then I will give you wonderful gifts. And if you don't follow my laws, you will suffer national ruin. You will suffer exile. You will suffer terribly. And yet at the same time, as we look at the description there, the question is how, how the exile will end. How the period of punishment for the sins will end. Vayikra has a very different model. It is true that in Vayikra it mentions that we are there for our sins and that we will confess our sins. But by confessing the sins, we don't enact any sort of change. And it could be because we confess our sins, but we don't really make any move to adjust or to adapt our behavior. We don't make a move to repent. In the book of Ayikra, the action which ends the, ends the galut, which ends the exile, is something different. I'll read you the psukim there. We, we say them in our slichot. I will remember my covenant with Jacob, with Isaac, with Abraham, and I will remember uh, them. And I will remember the land. And then later on he says, For Afghans up your behem, even when they're in the land of the enemy. I haven't rejected them. I don't find them repulsive. I'm not interested in destroying them. Because that would be to break my covenant with them. I am Hashem their God. I remember the covenant I made with the first ones, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Which led me to take them out of Egypt. The two tochachot, the two tochacha is the parshiot, one in Vayikra Perak Chavav, Vayikra chapter 26, and one in Devarim, chapter 27 and 28. These are the very scary predictions which uh, outline the future ruin and the future exile of the people. However, the Tochachai Vayikra and the Tochachai Devarim end in entirely different ways. As we've already mentioned, in Devarim, the key to the end of exile is Teshuvah. The key is that Am Yisrael 
return to God and start following his commandments. However, the key in Vayikra is not dependent on the nation. It is dependent on God. There, the, the, the critical factor in ending the exile is that God remembers the covenant that he made with Avraham, Yitzchak and Yaakov. He remembers Yitzhak Mitzrayim and he says, okay, it's enough. Didn't I promise Avraham, Yitzchak and Yaakov that their nation would inherit the land? They've been out the land for long enough. All right, it's over. And he brings them home. In other words, one type of gu'ula, one type of redemption is dependent on us. That's in Devarim. We have to um, engage in a total um, repentance, in a total change of, of, of the way we conduct ourselves. However, in Vayikra, Am Yisrael don't do anything. They just remain there in exile until God says, okay, it's enough. You've done enough. I've got time to renew my covenant with the forefathers. Now, when I, when we can raise the question, which type of gula would we prefer? Which type of redemption would we like? On the one hand, many people might say that they would prefer the Vayikra redemption, because the gula of Sefer Vayikra is not contingent on on our behaviour. And sometimes when we think about this in rational ways, it is almost difficult for us to to conceive of the fact that Am Yisrael as a collective, Am Yisrael as a nation, have the wherewithal to rally round and all come back to religious observance, come back to devoted following of the mitzvot. Certainly the way the Jewish world looks today, one wonders how that would be a realistic notion. How is the whole nation going to do tshuva? And therefore, we would prefer a different model, a model that is independent of us. After all, God has thrown us into exile. Maybe God is allowed, we're allowed to rely on God to take us out of exile. Maybe it's not dependent on us. God will end the exile when he feels that it's enough. And he will send, and here is the idea, that he will send some sort of uh, Mashiach, some sort of king, who will come and rally everybody back to the land. Why? Because it's time. Because it's time to fulfill the promise to Avraham and Yitzchak and Yaakov. Because it's enough. Because um, God has decided that He loves us. He has no intent on destroying us. And rather, He wants to fulfill the legacy of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. We don't need to do anything. The Gu'ula happens uh, automatically. However, I think I would argue that despite the fact that Sefer Devarim demands far more effort, Sefer Devarim is worth the wait. And why is that? If I can compare or contrast the two, I would I would put it this way. Um, if the Galut, if the exile reflects the fact that the Jewish people and God have sort of fallen out, the Jewish people and God have the Jewish people have acted in such ways with, that have angered God that we are unable to live together because our our conduct, our behavior is intolerable to God. It's like if we can compare it to a human situation, imagine um, a couple, a husband and wife, who are having difficulty living together and they separate for a while. So there are two possible scenarios. 
One scenario is that, I don't know, the court, there would be a court order that, I don't know, maybe because of the children or for some other factor, a court order demanded that they go back and live together. That they go back and try it again to be married. In that case, the court would demand that they go live together, but they haven't really repaired their relationship. They haven't changed anything in the way they, they interact. And the likelihood would be that they'd be no more successful the second time, no more than the first. However, if we can imagine that the, the two of them, as they live separately, start considering what went wrong, start considering how they can adapt their personality and their lifestyle in order to make living together more pleasurable, and then eventually find their way back to one another, uh, fall back in love and uh, renew their relationship, then clearly, if I had a choice of which of those marriages to be in, I would prefer to be in the second rather than the first, because the second, the marriage has actually been repaired. It might take longer, it might take more effort, but the love is there, the glue is there, the relationship is a different one than it was before. Whereas in the case where the court demand that uh, the people come back together, the husband and wife return to the relationship, it is true that it is it is ordered by the court and it will happen, whether one has worked at the relationship or not. But of course, the problems lie ahead because no work has been done in order to renew the relationship. I think this is comparable to the Tochacha and its end in Sefer Vayikra and uh, its end in Sefer Devarim. In Vayikra, conditions force an end to Galut. You know, it's interesting that the Ramban, Nachmanides, says that um, the Tochacha in Vayikra represents the first Galut, Galut Babel, whereas the Tochacha in Devarim represents uh, Galut Edom, the current Galut, the Galut of the second temple, which we are still in. Um, the first Galut, Galut Bavel, ended after 70 years. After 70 years, the time was up. God decreed 70 years. We read at the end of uh, Divrahayamim. 70 years was the time. It comes from the book of Yirmiyahu. Yirmiyahu says that God decreed 70 years of destruction or 70 years of exile or what have you. 70 years are up. Along comes Cyrus, says, Jews, it's time to go home. However, as we're fully aware, when we came back after the uh, after that 70 years of Galut, nothing was quite right. The spiritual level of the nation was terrible. There was widespread intermarriage. People were not supporting the temple. People were breaking Shabbat. And if you read through the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, you will see just how difficult it was to have the second temple stand on its feet. When we look at the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, we're dealing with a, a period which is almost a hundred years after the Jews have come back to Judea and come back to Yehuda, and things are still really, really problematic. In other words, God can bring us back, but the question is whether any improvement has been made. However, says the Ramban, the story in Devarim um, is reflective of our current Galut. Our current Galut, which isn't waiting for any period of years. It's not waiting for God to say, okay, time is up. It is waiting for Am Yisrael 
to correspond to God. It's waiting for Am Yisrael to wake up and realize that they can return to God. And it's fascinating to read that here the order is that we sort of, as we read before, take to heart the fact that God has sent us into exile. And then we return to God with all our heart and soul and start listening to God. But then the first thing God does is to bring us back to Eretz Yisrael. And sometimes we do wonder. Um, after that, he reforms us, he changes us, he, he circumcises our heart. And we do live in a time nowadays where we've experienced some inkling of this. When Rav Kook talks about Teshuvah, Rav Kook talks about Teshuvah in a very holistic, national sense. Not just at the um, myopic level of the individual, however important it is that we each individually do work on ourselves and improve all of our various faults, especially in this period as we approach the Amim Noraim. And yet Rav Kook says that's not enough. He says, Shuva relates both to body and soul. It relates both to individual and to the collective. Ultimately, the big picture of Shuva is not just something about the individual. It's about entire national rhythms. It's about uh, national behaviors. It's about us returning back, not only to Torah and mitzvot, but returning back to land, to nationhood. In other words, renewing our national collective existence, um, one can deal with tshuva on the individual level, but how how amazing it is when we can see a process of tshuva on a national scale or even a global scale, where we can see the Jewish people being rehabilitated to the level that they were at, both regards their existence as a nation and also in their spiritual fiber in their spiritual caliber to improve and to draw close to God to grow co- to grow closer as a nation to our awareness of Hashem and his mitzvot so this um, is, an, is an incredible landscape in which to think about teshuva you know in our Shmona Esrei which we read on the Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur where we talk exactly about these ideas our aim is, is not even just an aim for Am Yisrael. It is an aim for the entire world. Your dread should be on on all of your creations. Then the entire world should get together and should appreciate the values of God. And what exactly are those values of God that we say when we talk about this? When we talk about in Ashwanaistre, what is Hashem about? When we proclaim Hashem as the Melech, what are we saying about God? What is it about His Malchut um, that we're interested in? We say very clear: Kadosh Atavanorashemecha, You are holy. You are awesome. But what is it that makes you so unique? Vayigba Hashem Tzvaot Bamishpat. It is your justice. It is your tzedakah. Hakel kadosh nikdash b'tzedakah. It is justice. It is righteousness. The Jewish people are looking for a world which everybody can share, which is animated by justice, by kindness, by fairness, by righteousness. 
by charity, by honesty. And that's where we say, Va'avlata kafsapiha. The idea that evil will close its mouth, and all of the uh, evil should simply disappear. Okay, that's what we say in our in our v'chein tein pachtacha. We say exactly that. Like smoke, it will drift away. So, this is our hope for our for our new year that we see a different world order, a world order of goodness, of justice, of compassion, of kindness, and not of evil, and not of violence. On our own small scale of Am Yisrael, what our parsha is telling us is that we have to do everything that we can in order as individuals to return to God, but also as a collective. If we can return to God, uh, if we return to God, God promises that He will reciprocate. And we have that ability as a nation to muster up our energy in order to return to Hashem. And then Hashem promises us that He will take us higher and higher to higher levels and we will be engaging in this love relationship with Hashem where we will take a step towards Him and then He will um, respond with a step towards us, which induces us to be able to come closer, and he comes close to us, until, please God, we will be able to engage in a repair, not just in a repentance, but in a return to Hashem, a return to being a single nation, a return to our land, and a return to the ideal state that the Jewish people are supposed to be in. Thank you very much. Wishing everybody Shana Tovah. And Shabbat Shalom.